So that, that's a, a wonderful story of transformation, simply wow. by associating with a saintly person. McGarry would have lived his whole life as a hunter, getting his pleasure from seeing animals suffer, you know, dealing in animal skins and living that dark life. So from that, you know, to the great saint that he became, you know, the great Vaishnava, that people were coming from far and wide just to take darshana, of it's called, or just to see him and offer a gift, you know, and therefore automatically receiving his blessings, you know, is amazing. So anyway, I like that story. One reason is because <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing because it's not a thing to be proud of by any means. But I was a McGrath. I was a hunter. You know, I know that story. Welcome back to the Breaking Trail podcast. My name is Ruben, and uh, our podcast is where you learn to navigate life's journey through ancient wisdom. And today, my friend and teacher Balakia will share a very inspiring story that is close to his heart about the hunter who became a great spiritual sage. Welcome. You know, the Tesla's got this auto drive autopilot feature on their cars mm -hmm. and they've had all, uh, quite a few accidents people doing that you know and they just had an accident killed two people and one person was sitting in the passenger seat and the other one was in the back seat nobody was behind the wheel what and the, and the car crashed and killed both of them Oh, and another guy posted a video, young guy, and he's going down the road in his Tesla autopilot, and he's in the back seat with a pillow and a blanket wrapped up in the back seat, and the car's just driving down the highway. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and one one Tesla came up to a railroad crossing, and the the bar was down, uh -huh. and it just went right through the bar into the train. Oh my God. You know, I mean, these auto trip things, you know, it's like, people are so weird, they'd even trust that with your life. I mean, can exactly. you imagine that? Exactly. Your life, you get in exactly. the back seat and lay down. Just like, if you're going down the freeway at 80 miles an hour or whatever it is. Wow. But I guess you not value your life that much, perhaps. I don't know what, or or is it the thrill? I don't you know? know what it is, man. You know what well, he posted it on on social media, so it was probably yeah. You know, just to show people, look at yeah. me. You know, yeah, I'm so cool. Those are, but those other two people are dead now. Nobody's no. <laughs> nobody's. They're never going to know how many likes they got. <laughs> you know? Well, the likes keep, you know, gathering, like, even though that you're dead, your profile is, social profile is still there, so likes yeah. keep. I don't know, the whole world is crazy, man. So, so anyway, I came to this idea, like, I, to me, these stories are really, really inspiring from the Vedas, and I was thinking maybe we could share some story from the Vedas, and I, I was especially thinking about some, this hunter and the sage story, because you have also been a hunter yourself, so it's kind of telling in a yeah. sense for yeah yeah I for can. your life i mean it's that's a that's a that's a pretty easy one like it's not so hard 
<laughs> you know what I mean? On people. It's yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So difficult. Well, that's, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's a good one, and it supports a lot of things that we already talked about. Exactly, yeah. Don't kill vegetarianism and chanting mantras and all, all kinds of things are incorporated in that yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So. Yeah, so. So where does it start? <laughs> so it starts when I change my headphones, just <laughs> to relax you guys a little bit. <laughs> so now it's the official starting of the podcast. <laughs> How's that? Is that better? That's, that's a bit better. That's different. <laughs> it's, it's different. I don't know if it's better or not, but it's different. Oh, yeah. Normal. So, yeah. <clears throat> So the Vedas are filled with stories. You know, Srimad Bhagavatams, you know, is a wonderful work of art, really. It's called The Ripened Root of the Vedas. Mm. You know, and in the Srimad Bhagavatam, you know, there's so much ancient history, which in, in many, many, many cases are stories. But stories that have a meaning that make a point you know that are philosophically ripe you know with truth and so we we read this a lot you know Srimad Bhagavatam here at our Chintamani studio we're reading it every night you know just a short session every night at the end of the day and you gain so much from it you know and so one story that's actually from the Chaitanya, not the Chaitanya, yeah, from the Chaitanya Chaitamrita, which is another Vedic scripture, you know. And this was written by a great devotee of the Lord uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. And it's about the, the life and teachings of Lord Chaitanya or Lord Goranga. We chant many times, Goranga in our meditations, you know. And so yeah. Lord Goranga is the most recent incarnation of the Lord to appear on planet Earth 500 years ago. And he came specifically in this time period we live in right now to give us guidance now, right now, what we need to know in this time period when things are as they are, you know, chaos, quarrel, confusion, you know, discord, disagreements everywhere, and so on. So we need some, some knowledge here. We need some light shined on this period of time to know what to do with our lives. You know? So anyway, Chaitanya Chaitamrita is about the life and teachings of Lord Goranga, Lord Chaitanya, when he was here on the planet. So Lord Chaitanya told this story, you know, and the story is about a hunter, and his name was Magrari. And so one day, there's, there's another personality I must introduce, and this is Narada Muni. Hmm. And Narada Muni is well known in ancient Vedic history. And he has abilities that certainly we don't have. And a lot of people, they will think oh, a lot of these things that 
that are in these books, <laughs> they're just, you know, fantasies. Nobody mm -hmm. could do that. Nobody <laughs> could achieve that. That's impossible. You know, because we're, again, judging what is possible or not possible on what we know today with our limited abilities. But, you know, we're at the lowest stage of development, you know, of mankind. And, <laughs> you know, basically we're, you know, very restricted in Kali Yuga of what we can do, what we can understand, and so on. But that doesn't mean everybody's like that, and all time periods are like that. So, you know, in the yoga system, if anybody studied the yoga system, a person, you know, very advanced in yoga can develop certain abilities that, again, seem like fantasy. Nobody could do those things. Kind, kind of like you hear about levitating or these things, sir. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, you know, very basic version of the idea. You know, people say, nobody can levitate, but they can, you know. It's just a, a certain way to to control material energy and so on. But anyway, Narada Muni, he didn't gain his abilities, you know, by practicing pranayama and controlling this. You know, he, he was gifted this, you know, from the Supreme Lord. And so he has been gifted with the ability to travel anywhere he wants at will, at the speed of the mind, both within the material world and the spiritual world. See, man is struggling to go to another planet with, you know, big iron or alloy rocket ships and, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, you know, the mechanical yeah. blast off to go to the moon or go wherever and send some little helicopter up there to fly around and look and take pictures and send them back, <laughs> you know. But that's just like Mickey Mouse, compared to, <laughs> to what, you know, Narada Muni and other, you know, personalities can do. Now, anyway, he can travel both in the material world and the spiritual world. It's up to him. Where does he want to go? So one time Narada Muni had been to the spiritual world and he had been visiting Lord Narayan. And... After his visit, he returned to the material world, planet Earth, and he was on his way to a place, it's in India, you know, where the three rivers, the Muna, Ganges, and Saraswati, come together, a confluence of the three rivers. Yeah. These are all holy rivers, sacred rivers, and it's known as the Triveni are the three rivers that come together. And people go there still today. I'm sure right now it's a lot of people there. Taking bath is a very, very sacred place to bathe, yeah. you know, to, you know, get purified of karma and so on. So anyway, he was going there to bathe, and he's going through the forest, and on a forest path, and he came upon a deer that was shot with an arrow but it wasn't dead, it was half killed, and it was legs were broken, and it was thrashing and suffering greatly. And he thought, wow, that's, that's not good, it's very unusual. He goes a little further on the path, and he sees a boar in the same condition, 
shot through with an arrow, half killed, broken legs, withering in pain, suffering. He goes further and he sees a rabbit in the same situation, you know. And he's going, who is doing this? What is going on? So he goes further and he sees a hunter that's off the path up in the forest a little ways, hiding behind a tree. And in the meadow, you know, there's some deer and he's hiding behind the tree looking at the deer that he's getting ready to shoot. And he was a, a pretty rough-looking character. You know, it describes that he was, you know, dressed in animal skins and his eyes were red and, you know, he just had, you know, a certain, you know, basically not nice look, yeah. to it, put it mildly, you know, like death personified. And so... Uh, Narada Muni walked up behind the hunter. And when the animals that the hunter had been stalking saw Narada Muni, they all ran away. And the hunter, what happened? And he turned around and he saw Narada Muni. And he was going to really chastise him with strong language. But he saw, he could understand that this is a great saint. And no foul language, no chastisement would come from his mouth. He couldn't utter a word. <laughs> and so he's just standing there. And then he, you know, pays his respects. And he said, who are you? And he said, I said, oh, saintly person, who are you? And he said, I'm Narada Muni. And he said, Oh, and why are you here off the path? He said, well, I'm coming to you because along the way I saw the deer, I saw the boar, I saw the rabbit, you know, half killed, thrashing, suffering greatly. And I'm wondering if you're the person who did it. And he said, yes, yes. My name is McGrory, who gives suffering to others. And he says... I am certainly the one who did this. And he said, I learned this from my father. I'd been doing this my whole life. And Narada Muni said, but why do you have killed these animals? You know, if you're going to kill them, why, don't, why do you have to? He said, because I derive great pleasure from seeing them suffer. See? Can you imagine the heart of such a person? who, it's one thing to kill the animal, but it's the other to get the pleasure of watching the animal suffer, you know. And so, uh, the, uh, so Narada Muni asked him, well, you know, I have one thing to beg of you. And <clears throat> McGrory said, oh, you can ask from me anything you want. You want some animals? You want some skins? I can give you you know, deer skins, tiger skins. I have many at my house. You can have as much as you want. I guess that's Narada not what Narada Muni wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Narada Muni said, no, thank you. I'm not, you know, going to ask for skins. <laughs> I want to ask you, when you kill the animals, when you shoot the animals, to kill them outright and don't half kill them and leave them there to suffer. 
And McGraw said, why? Why, why do it like that? And Narada Muni told him, because, you know, your profession is a hunter. And that's not a, the greatest offense. It's an offense, but it's not the great offense. But when you have killed them and they suffer and you're finding that pleasurable, that is a great offense. And you're going to have to suffer greatly as a result of this. And so I want you to know that in your next life and in many future lives, all these animals that you've killed are going to kill you one by one. And McGraw thought, man, I've been doing this my whole life, you know. And so he said, and, and he understood. I mean, he just had the understanding, this is true. You know, Narada Muni is telling me, you know, something that's true. And he went, he changed his attitude completely. And he said, please, please, can you help me? Can you, you know, I've been doing this my whole life. Can you help me? get relieved of all of this suffering, you know. And Narada Muni said, yes, I can help you, you know, but you have to do exactly what I say. And the hunter said, yes, yes, I will do it, please. And he said, okay, the first thing you must do is break your bow. And he said, break my bow? My bow? This is my livelihood. How am I going to survive if I break my bow? Radha Muni said, don't worry. I will take care of all the necessities you need. You must break your bow. And so the hunter broke his bow. And he said, all right, now I want you to go home and tell your wife that you are leaving. You've got to take all your possessions that you have, give them all to the Brahmanas, the Brahmanas are the priestly class mm. in the Vedic society, give all your possessions to the Brahmanas that you see are the highly qualified Brahmanas. And then I want you to go to the river and the only possessions you will take are your clothes. I want you to build a small hut on the river. I want you to plant a Tulsi plant on a raised platform in front of your house. Something's frozen. What? Ruben, can you hear me? Yeah, I, I can hear you, but you, you, you froze in the middle of Okay, you're back. You were frozen. I, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry for it. freezing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was our end of you. Yeah. So where did where did you hear to? Built a cottage by the by the river. Yeah. So build a cottage by the river. Plant a Tulsi plant in front of the cottage on a raised platform. And every day you worship the Tulsi plant. You water the Tulsi plant and offer other things. Can you tell what, what's, what's special about Tulsi for those who don't? Do, I was yeah. just getting ready to do that. <laughs> yeah, so the Tulsi plant is not just an ordinary plant. Biologically, it, it's in the basil family. 
So, you know, in India, it's known as the holy basil. But actually, Tulsi is a great devotee of the Supreme Lord in that body of a plant. And because of her devotion to the Lord, she always wants to be at the feet of the Lord. So the Tulsi plant produces little flowers, and not really flowers, like a manjari, they're called. But it is the flower of, like if you've seen a basil plant, they have a very similar thing. Basil plant, maybe you guys call it basil basil. I don't know if I've seen the flowers of a basil plant, but hmm. anyway, yeah, most of the time you just get them in the store and you don't exactly. Get that. But <laughs> exactly. the point is, those manjaris, and this is where the seeds of the Tulsi plant are contained, and from the those you know manjaris, you know other Tulsi plants ah. come and so on. So you you take that that manjari with two leaves, it grows with a little leaf on both sides, and those manjaris are to be offered to the Supreme Lord on the altar at His feet. Mm. Only to the Supreme Lord, only, not others. So, that's the Tulsi plant. And, and there's, a, there's a, a system of worship of the Tulsi plant. Great devotees are to be worshipped, and Tulsi is to be worshipped. This is one of the processes of bhakti yoga, you know. And so you water the plant. There's mantras that that are, you know, chanted, you know, for watering the Tulsi, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it's, a, it's a bona fide system of worship. It's not mm. some, you know, pagan worship or whatever. Mm. So anyway, Narada Muni told... Uh, Magrari to do that. And another thing about the Tulsi is she doesn't stay in, in that plant body very long, really, just a short number of years. And then she leaves that body. Hmm. So after she leaves the body, then the wood of the Tulsi plant, which is still sacred, is used to make beads, like our meditation beads that we chant on, you know, are the, the highest level of wood to be used for the Tulsi beads, or for the beads, is Tulsi. So Tulsi beads, and we use them around our neck. See, I have, you know, some Tulsi here around, you know, as neck beads, and so on. And, you know, it's declared in Scripture, and, and, and we don't doubt this at all, that this protects you, you know, from, you know, the Yamadudas, or the, the agents of Lord Yamaraj, the Lord of Death. Anyway, it's, it's protection at the time of death. If you're wearing Tulsi, if your body's cremated with Tulsi on, that's a whole nother thing than if you just, you know, die and get cremated or whatever. You know, there's a whole science that if you know it, you know it, and it's simple stuff, but it's very, very important and very profound. So anyway, that's, that's a little discourse on Tulsi. There's much, much more. So... Anyway, Magrari, you know, agreed. Okay. So <clears throat> he goes home, tells his wife, okay, we're giving everything away, and we're going to the river. <laughs> and she no says... prior warning. <laughs> no asking permission. <laughs> this is what we're doing. Because in that day and age, you know, not as it is today, you know, the wife was very devoted to the husband. Mm. 
you know, and she accepted the husband as her authority and guide, you know. So when he said that, you know, okay. So it was done. They go to the bank of the river, they build the cottage, they plant the Tulsi, and they regularly, you know, worship the Tulsi as prescribed, just as Narada Muni said. Very quickly, word spread all around that McGrory the hunter had become a great saintly Vaishnava. And people couldn't believe it. You know, it was a, a complete transformation. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's customary, you know, at that time, you know, in India and now today as well, that people would go to visit saintly persons because they understood this is very, very you know, purifying, very special. And to go to a saintly person and pay respects and take a gift, you know, is, you know, that's what is done. So people started coming to see McGrory. And everybody that came, as I say, is etiquette, spiritual etiquette, they brought a gift. So, you know, from almost the very beginning, there was more food than McGrory and his wife could ever eat. <laughs> so they would only keep as much as was necessary for the two of them for that day. And they give all the others away. And so this went on and more and more people were coming and more and more people were coming. And one day Narada Muni was traveling with his constant companion or, or very often companion, dear friend, Parvati Muni. And he's another eternal spaceman that can travel in space, huh. you know. And so they were in the area, and Narada Muni said to Parvati Muni, I would like to go by and visit, you know, Bagrari and see how he's doing. And so they go to visit him. And he saw them coming from quite a distance, you know, and he went, oh, Narada Muni is coming with another great saint. And so he got up to go greet him. But he ran, but he couldn't run just straight. He's, he's moving around like this. And when he came to Narada Muni, you know, he wanted to pay his obeisances. He wanted to bow down to him. But he couldn't bow down immediately because there was all these ants running around on the ground. And he didn't want to bow down on top of the ants. So he whisked the ants away, you know, very gently, and then bowed down. Mm. And Narada Muni was very, very pleased with his conduct. And so, you know, he, Bagari stood up, invited them to come to, to their his hut, <laughs> and he came, and they, he and his wife took care of them again, you know, according to spiritual etiquette. You know, they gave them a, a, the best place to see, sit that they could and make them as comfortable as possible, gave them water to drink, and he and his wife, McGuire and his wife, washed their feet and then put the water on their head and drank the water. You know, this is all spiritual etiquette. This is not made up, you know, somebody just decided to do this. This is how you treat a great saintly person. And so, you know, Narada Muni was, like I say, was very pleased. And so 
you know, after a short while, they were getting ready to leave, and he said, is there anything that you would like to request from me? You know. And McGuire said, yes. Can you please arrange it so that people don't bring so much food? (laughs) 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 I have too much, you know. So... (laughs) So that, that's a wonderful story of transformation, simply wow. by associating with a saintly person. McGarry would have lived his whole life as a hunter, getting his pleasure from seeing animals suffer, you know, dealing in animal skins and living that dark life. I mean, you know, there's a picture in, in the Chaitanya Church of Rita of McGarry, how he looked. And, you know, we've all seen people who just looked dark. You know, there was there was no. You know, it describes his eyes were red. He's dressed dressed in deer skins. You know, his body's not clean. You know, and uh, so yeah. So from that, you know, to the great saint that he became, you know, the great Vaishnava that people were coming from far and wide just to take darshan of it's called, or just to see him and offer a gift. You know, and there before automatically receiving his blessings, you know, is amazing. Yeah. You know, but it's not amazing if we understand the transcendental, inconceivable potency of associating with a true saint, you know, a true, pure lover of God. You know, it changes the heart. This was a change of heart that took place, this was a purification of the heart. Mm. You know, being envious of the animals, I mean, you wouldn't think, well, he wasn't envious of animals, but that's envy, you know, that's that's wanting to enjoy their life by killing it. You know, I want to enjoy you by killing you. That's all envy, you know. And so from such a hard-hearted, no compassion whatsoever condition to the most soft-hearted that he won't even bow down before his spiritual master, Narada Muni, until he's got all the ants out of the way. Wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like, how much of a transformation is that? You know, it's like unbelievable. <laughs> and so this is, this is what the idea is. You know, you associate with saintly people, you become a saint, you know. And his association was on, an, on the level of he accepted his instructions. He asked him to help him. See, he went to him, can you please help me? Mm. I'm going to suffer unlimited lifetimes because I've killed like this since birth, basically, my whole life. And so he's asking for help. And of course, Narada Muni, you know, compassion and love personified, gave him the solution and he accepted it and followed it. See, that's the association, you know, that that made the, the whole thing complete. So, so his, his motivation from the start was, I mean, he didn't have a pure interests to start with. Like, it was for his own sake. Do I understand it right? Like, he didn't want the suffering uh, in his future lives of the karma that he would get back from killing those yeah. animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like, Self-motivated, for sure. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that it says in Bhagavad Gita, you know, this four you know, categories of pious men who come to me, those who are in in distress, those who are in need of money, 
the inquisitive, and those who are in search of actual knowledge, see, the wise. Mm -hmm. But all are self-motivated, you know. Yeah. They have their agenda. Help me in my distress. I need money. Can you help me there? You know, I'm inquisitive. I just want you to entertain my mind. And, and then, you know, can you give me some knowledge? But it's still, I'm the, the, the reason, right. you know, for right. this. Right. But out of that comes purification, and out of that purification comes selfless service. But it all starts with that. I mean, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's... I mean, we're all so selfish that we can't, you know, be non-selfish if we are selfish. <laughs> like, and then... <laughs> you can't be somebody you're not. You know, and, and nobody is asking anybody to be somebody that they're not. Just take who you are, how you are, and, you know, if you're interested in this, you know, progression, that'll make your life a whole lot better, <laughs> then there's the, the opportunity. Mm. And, uh, and then, so, you know, how long it takes for us to be selfless? That's an individual thing. But, you know, it can take a long time because we are very selfish. But it's purification of the selfish motive, you know, from killing animals to, to save me from my karma <laughs> is exactly. a pretty big leap. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, and another part of the formula was you got to break your bow. You can't continue to kill these animals. Hmm. You can't just, you know... Ask me to get rid of your past karma and continue to kill animals. That's not part of the deal, you know. It's kind of like a, yeah. You got to change <laughs> your profession here. You know, and like going to church and confessing, and then you know during the week doing all the stuff that you do again, like living your normal life, and then go to confess and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just take a bath on Saturday or Sunday, whatever the day the confession is, and. You know, get dirty all week. <laughs> but I guess, Back next week and take another bath. I guess most most people just yeah. just just don't do that even at all. So like, well, no, they they don't do that. But but if you did, it still doesn't change the heart. You know, that's why the the bhakti yoga process is a is a different process because it purifies the heart. You know, and and that's the problem. That's that's the root of the problem. You know, envy and jealousy is the the actual root of the problem. You know, I'm envious. We're basically envious of God. I mean, we might be envious of, you know, the guy who's got money and I don't, or, you know, the girl who's envious of the other girls because they're more beautiful and more popular and whatever, whatever. I mean, that's just, you know, reflections of the original envy, you know. We're envious of God because God's number one and I want to be number one. Exactly. And he's in full control and I'm not like, I, I see that. <laughs> he's the master and I'm not, but I want to be. Yeah. So that's, you know, we hear sometimes about the original sin. You know, you may have heard right, that. Right, right, right. Adam and Eve. There was an original sin and mm. now we're all suffering because of that mistake that Adam and Eve made or exactly. whatever. Or Adam made and, you know. But, you know, the original sin really is our envy of God. You know, that's 
that's where it all starts. Well, well, that's I mean, and there's a nice analogy like that story, because I, I, you know, when I was fifteen, I, I, I studied Christianity a lot. I, I, I sort of followed that religion for for considerable time, and and but that story now makes sense to me. I mean, he wasn't Adam trying to be the enjoyer when he took the apple? Wasn't that the idea? Like he took the apple and he wanted to be the enjoyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And God said, don't eat that fruit. That's the true fruit of the forbidden tree, mm. you know. Yeah. But then the snake came along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> you the, the story? Sort of like the, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Eve, this is really tasty, man. <laughs> you should try this, <laughs> you know. And then she did, and then she convinced Adam. You know? Right, that's how it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting that the snake is part of that story, that analogy or story or whatever you want to call it. It's because in the Vedas, again, it says that a snake and a scorpion are so envious. I mean, if you, you know snakes a little bit, probably, mm. all of us have had some encounters mm. with snakes. Yeah. You know, if you've had encounters with them in the wild, you know, they're they're not nice guys. I mean, they are all right, but, you know, they just got a vibe about them, man. It's just like a snaky vibe. You know? yeah, it's Get in there. It's, they're not cuddly. They're not, I mean, some people have, you know, pet boa constrictors and, you know, they think they're great. You know, I remember I lived in Los Angeles for about 10 years, you know. Uh, into the seventies and into the into the eighties, and uh, there was a girl I knew. She, she was the girlfriend of a a guy I knew, and she was very attractive, tall, blonde. I mean, California babe, you know. But she had this boar constrictor, you know, and that was like her constant companion. You know, we used to work <laughs> markets together and. And she'd be there, and, and her, you know, her, uh, what was his name? Bill? No, Don, I think. He'd be selling, you know, his products, and she'd be walking around with this snake. And we were friends. She'd come over and talk, <laughs> you know, and here's this snake, you know, <laughs> tongue with, you know, sticking out. And I never could get it. Like, why do you like this snake? They're cold. I mean, they're not even warm, yeah, like a true. kitten or. You know, a dog or something. They're nice and warm, and they got hair and fuzzy and, and, and cuddly. And, but this snake, man, I guess it's because they give good hugs. You know, <laughs> just, just good squeezing hug. you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know. But anyway, that's that's kind of a, a, a side thing. But but in the Vedas, it said that snakes are and and it includes scorpions in this category are so envious that there's no karma in kill, uh, in, incurred from killing them. There's no karma for killing a snake. Now, it doesn't mean you got to go out and hunt down all the snakes and kill them. It says you got to kill snakes. But if necessary and you kill a snake, there's no karma involved. Mm -hmm. Because you free that soul from that envious body, and then they can go on and take another... I burst. It, it's not so much. Wow. So, anyway, in the story of Adam and Eve, there was mm, the snake, mm, the envious snake that snake. came along and, psh, 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 and, you know, she ate the apple and, you know, Adam ate the apple and then here we are. 
<laughs> that's, that's the story. But really, it's, the ideas were all envious of God. You see? And, and so, you know, envy is really the problem. So to, to root out that envy, one must have a transformation of heart. You know, you can't have a soft heart and be envious, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're envious of somebody and they walk in the room, do you have a warm feeling for them? Mm. No. Oh, I'm so glad to see you. Wow. Great. Thanks for coming. No, it's like, oh, my God, why are you here? Yeah. You know, I wish you didn't yeah. come. You know, it's just like that uncomfortable feeling of their presence, you know. Mm. And so, you know, it's it's not a good thing. So the heart has to be purified, you know. But we have to have a way to do that. So Magari's heart was purified by his association with Narada Muni, mm. you know. His acceptance of the instructions of Narada Muni, following them as prescribed, you know, and he became a great saint himself. You know, you associate with rogues, you become a rogue. You associate with saints, you become a saint. Hmm. You know, but I, I, I've seen it in, in personally, a rogue who associates with a saint but doesn't accept the saint as a saint. He's just in the physical proximity somehow. You know, he doesn't get that same benefit. You know, you got to accept them. You got to, you know, guide, be guided by them. Because, because, and, and and that's the quality that matters. I mean, the, for for Mugrari, his simpleness, like he he didn't just get stuck in his old ways, and you know, he he just okay, like you have a better argument, and he was like, okay, then I listen to you. Like this yeah. makes sense, and <laughs> and and in that time period, you know, which we don't experience now, you know, saints were respected even by people like McGrory. Yeah, yeah, that's why he couldn't curse him. He couldn't. He couldn't chastise him when he ran all the animals away. Oh, okay. You know, if it had been anybody else, just somebody else came up. He would have just laid into him, you can imagine. Uh, but his no words would come from his mouth of criticism. You know, he couldn't do it. You know, that's another culture completely too. You know, mm. now you know we don't have respect for anybody, saints or otherwise. No. You know, no. so all of this is a sign of hard-heartedness, degradation. You know, increasing envy and jealousy. And, you know, hate and anger and lust and greed. And, you know, when that predominates, then you lose the good qualities. Yeah. They cover the good qualities. And, and people suffer as a result of that. You know, it's not like people are winning. Nobody's winning here. Everybody's losing. But who who's willing to to accept this? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I like that story. One reason is because I'm I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing because it's not a thing to be proud of by any means. But I was a McGrath. I was a hunter. 
You know, I know that story because I grew up hunting, you know, from early, early on. I was fishing, you know, fishing's hunting, you know, in yeah. the water. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. You know, it's not like hunting and fishing. It's like hunting <laughs> in the water, out of the water. But anyway, yeah, I was, I fished from very early on, you know. And had no problem, you know, taking the hook out of the fish's mouth and throwing him up on the bank and, you know, watching him slowly die, you know, <laughs> gasping and flopping. And, you know, the worms, we often fish with worms and yeah. digging the worms out of the ground and sticking the, threading him, we call it threading the worm on the hook. Yeah. I mean, that's that's rough stuff if you think about it. You know, but I you don't think about it. I mean, that's just oh, that's... what I did. And it was like... I didn't feel like, oh, this is bad. And, you know, sometimes some girls or something would be a little squeamish. Exactly. And and you kind of make fun of them. Oh, I was just going to say, know? that that's the reaction that you have. You, you're made fun of if you... You know, look at that little sissy or look at the... Exactly. You know. And uh, and then, you know, from 10 years old, uh, I had a, I was given a shotgun. It was an old shotgun my grandfather had. You know, just in the house, you know, I live in this big house with my parents and my grandmother and grandpa. And anyway, at 10 years old, I just started going out with this gun, you know, 12-gauge shotgun, you know. <laughs> that's, that's a different culture as well than Norway, yeah. I think. You know, and, or, you know, then I became, you know, that hunter that was shooting the squirrels and the rabbits and, you know, the... Game birds, they call them, dove and quail and, you know, whatever. Wow. And so anyway, I went right on up from 10 years old till, till uh, you know, I went to Hawaii, actually. I moved to Hawaii in 1967. Mm -hmm. I was 24. And over there, I, I actually had my father send my gun over you know, I had a different gun by now, upgraded a lot. <laughs> but uh, we would hunt doves over there. There's a lot of doves in the cane fields. And we would go dove hunting. And then, you know, I just kind of got, you know, into a, a different mindset. I started doing yoga, like I, you know, said many times before. And, you know, I just kind of realized this is not cool, man. This is not thing to do. I'm, so, you know, I sold my gun and I just never... When did I didn't have any interest in doing that, you know? I just moved out of that dimension completely. But how, how is it one can do that? Like for so long without even like what what makes it so that you don't think about it? Like you know what I mean? Like it it doesn't bother you to kill these animals. It doesn't like it doesn't touch you. Like you can do that for fifteen, fourteen years. Like no. Well, who knows? You know. Uh... I can't explain it other than that it was a sport, you know, it was a sport. Mm. You just got pleasure from seeing, you know, it was a certain, I was thinking about that this morning, actually, oh. interestingly enough, because where I walk in the mornings to do my japa meditation is a lot of pheasants, mm. you know, it's a big wooded area and there's a lot of pheasants and, you know, they're all out and mate, having their mating calls and, you know, there's the males and the females, and, you know, you see them, I and one flew right over my head, you know, I we got a couple of dogs that, you know, that just moved in, and so they, they were 
love to go out there and just run around and chase the pheasants, but they never catch them or anything. They just have fun <laughs> making them fly. Yeah. You know. Scary. So anyway, one flew right over my head. And I was thinking in the old days, you know, I would have probably had a gun and, you know, I would have, oh. you know, tried to shoot that guy, you know, because a pheasant is a high level game bird in the minds of, you know, a game hunter, you know, and, uh, but then I, you know, for, for a long time, you know, after I stopped, I would still have that, that thought in my mind. But now I would shoot him with the holy name, Haribo, Haribo, Haribo. <laughs> you know? So different weapon. You know? And you never miss. See, when you got the gun, sometimes you don't know. You miss, sometimes you don't. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And you come home at the end of the day and you got your trophies. Oh, look how many squirrels I got today or how many ducks we got. You know, the old pictures of me and my friends with a whole bunch of ducks that we got, you know, that day. Mm. I say got rather than killed because I don't even like to say that word. But, mm. you know, I mean, it was like a, a good a good day for us, not a good day for the ducks no. or the squirrels or whoever, you know. But we, they didn't count, you know. They were just ducks or squirrels or whatever, you know, and, and you just... So it was a hard heart, man. It was just a demoniac consciousness, really. I mean, demoniac consciousness, you know. Wow. But it just proves that things can change, you know. Exactly. That That's definitely a, a possibility to change all that and see things in a different way. The heart's different. It's not that, you know, demoniac, hard, I don't care about that squirrel or that duck or that rabbit or whatever, you know, my pleasure is shooting that guy. And, you know, I felt good. Oh, I got him. You know, aha, I got him, you know. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's the way it is. But I'm so thankful that along the way, you know, things did change. And, you know, now, you know, we're vegetarians for many, many years and <laughs> don't eat anything <laughs> like that and don't, you know. Don't hunt it either. Or don't hunt anything. And, <laughs> you know, interesting uh, story, another story. And, and you know, Neil and Bella, you know my friends. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So we were mountain biking in Colorado, I don't know, four or five years ago, probably. It was after the Rainbow Gathering. The, the uh -huh. wilderness retreat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, we were there mountain biking, and we're, we'd been riding this trail, you know, down this mountain, long ride, and we were just ending the ride on a dirt road, going down the dirt road. And here comes a truck, a big truck, American truck, <laughs> <laughs> up the road, you know, and... I saw a snake come out of the side of the road on the right side mm -hmm. and started across the road. And here comes the truck. And I just went, oh, man, I hope he, that truck doesn't hit that snake. But sure enough, it was just timed perfectly. Oh. The truck didn't try to hit the snake. I mean, he, he didn't try to stop either. Yeah. But he just came by. I don't even know if he even saw him. Yeah. And, and ran right over the snake, you know. And mm -hmm. I was just watching this whole scenario. So... You know, I, I rode up to the snake and 
So Neil and Bella there, when we go up and and here's this snake and it's, you know, broken back and it's all kinds of things. And it's withering around and in pain like crazy, oh. you know. And uh, so we just chanted to that snake, you know. That snake left his body chanting. Now, someone might say, well, why didn't you just kill the snake and put him out of his misery, you see? But it's not my position to take that position. You know, I mean, that snake has its karma. This is nature's arrangement, this whole thing. The best thing I can do for that snake or the soul in the snake body is to chant that snake. So when that snake leaves his body, I think it took like 10 minutes or something, you know, it'll have left hearing the holy names. That's the best thing that could have happened. Wow. That snake in its entire lifetime. Can you imagine in the middle of the mountains in Colorado, well, out of nowhere, chances? getting run over by a truck <laughs> and leaving the body here in the holy names? You know, wow. I mean, that's like special. <laughs> hmm? And so, oh, wow. you know, that's, that's how we understood it with this understanding we have. And that's what we did. And it was, you know, we, we all felt good about it. We didn't feel good about watching the story. Mm. unfold because mm. it was not pleasant by any mm. means. But we felt good that we could be there and and offer that help to on that his, soul in that body. On his continued mm. journey. So it will definitely take a very, very high birth. You know, who's to say exactly where that's, that soul went, you know, after that. Yeah. So with this this kind of knowledge that you have, you can react in many, many different situations mm. based on this knowledge rather than just, you know, some sentiment or compassion or, you know, a lot of people driving the truck would aim for the snake and try to put the brakes on as they go over top and make sure they'd, you know, kill that guy. You know, I mean, you know, so... They're, they're, I, I, that's funny, but it, I have actually has like a really similar story. We went to a meditation retreat outside Trondheim with, and, and like at the very end, there's like this really small road because where the retreat places is like, yeah, just really the end of the road, a small gravel road. And as we were passing this gravel road, you know, we were going slow, but I, so I like in a very, like I, I didn't have time to, to stop or anything, but I saw something slithering up the road. And just and I I hit him, you know. He, I I ran him over. I, I didn't have time to stop. And so you know, I I was like, did we run over a snake or, or what was that? Because I wasn't sure whether it was a stick or something. But I I thought there was something. So we kind of looked in the rear mirror and it's like, wow, that's yeah. So it was a snake, you know. So we we stopped and I walked back and and he was so at first he was exactly like you say like in pain, trying to get away trying to get away from us we were we were chanting to him but then so i had for some reason i had some holy water with me so i and it, so i i approached him and uh, when i when i was because i was like man how am i gonna do this like i i'm gonna try to put this on him you know but he's like withering all around like how am I? <laughs> but as like as i came closer and i had that idea like he stopped immediately and was completely still no movement it's just like waiting for me to <laughs> So I took this wow. holy water, and, you know, I sprinkled it on his head. And he was completely still, and I walked away. And then, you know, he—I oh, can't remember, but I, yeah, no, I think he actually withered into the forest again. Yeah, he did. 
That's so, it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, another, another lucky it's, snake. It's very, very, very lucky and very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this knowledge, the idea is a, a person who has this knowledge can help so many people just on their journey through life. Mm. We all are on a journey through life. And if we have this knowledge, we can help a lot of people on that journey. See? And if we don't have this knowledge, you know, we can make a, do a lot of damage. We can do a lot of harm to a lot of people. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, what we do in our life affects the lives of so many other people. No question about it. Mm. You know, whether we intend to or not, you know. And so, yeah, every day we, you know, we do a lot of harm to a lot of entities. You know, just by walking or just by eating or just by breathing or, you know, whatever. I mean, you can't avoid it. That's just the world we live in. Mm. And so in the Vedic system, a person who wasn't engaged in devotional service, see, but just trying to go through life in a pious way without creating additional karma and so on, they had you know, certain sacrifices or rituals that they performed on a regular basis to actually counteract the, the, the suffering that they caused to other people, mm. you know, every day. Yeah. So that's how they started their day, with a, you know, ceremony, mm. you know. And, uh, but when one is, you know, trying to live their life in de devotional service to God and you know, chanting the mantras and following this bhakti yoga path, you know, then those sacrifices and whatever, whatever that I just referred to are included in that. You know, it's like you don't have to do something separate. Mm. This is included in that. But it's still the same point that we we commit so many errors, you know, or just unknowingly cause a lot of difficulties to other people. Mm. And then when we just consciously cause difficulty to other people, I mean, we really... You know, yeah, just, that's, that's another story. That's another whole level again. Like Magrari, like Narada Muni said, well, you, you're a hunter by profession. So your killing animals is not that great an offense. But when you consciously make them suffer, that's completely on another level, and you're going to suffer a lot for that. You know? So, yeah, we have to become educated in life. And there's, I mean, I just, again, I'm just taking this gist out of the story. Like, there's, there's a hope for me as well. <laughs> like, wherever we are, however... You know, wherever we are in our life, like we don't have to get pure first and then do this. <laughs> you know, we just when we we're here now. I mean, anyone is listening to this. You are, you are lucky enough to have access to hearing this knowledge. You know, have, making that choice if you want to. Yes, and you know, like we, you said, and I said many times, you don't have to. You know, just drop everything you're doing and change everything. You, you just Add things to your life, mm. you know. Like I didn't drop everything. I just came to a point where 
you know, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I understood this is, this is wrong. Mm. You know, before it was right. You know, it was like nobody even questioned it. Mm. And it was, it was done in, in the community of friends I had. I mean, I wasn't the only guy doing that. You know, it was me and my friends, and this is what we did, you mm. know, and nobody thought, oh, you guys are bad guys. No, you know, no, no. like, that's just normal, mm. you know, and then, and then along the way, you come to realize, no, I'm not going to do this, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on that are not good like you don't have to follow what's seen as normal or good in society as as your yeah. guideline i mean you, you started no, speaking the, about you know we have the vedas it's this absolute guidance yeah. yeah yeah but do we want that guidance is the issue isn't it mm. yeah <laughs> for sure the negative you know response to the vedas is don't tell me what to do you know who 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 are you or who are these books or who these masters or who whatever to tell me what I can do and can't do <laughs> but the laws of nature tell us what we can and can't do <laughs> you know okay yeah. you're going to die now you know no I'm not yes you are it's time to go and you go no can't overcome that so we're controlled regardless, but, you know, we're so covered that we can't even understand we're controlled. You know, we think other people are, oh, you're trying to control me, or this group of people, or, you know, this political system, or this society, you know, and I'm not going to be controlled by you guys. But you're already controlled. <laughs> Everybody's controlled by the laws of nature. You know, you had never no control over whether you were going to be born or not. See, maybe you didn't want to be born. I'm not going to be born. You were born anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to grow up. You grow up. I'm not going to get old. You get old. I'm not going to die. You die. You know, everybody's controlled. So it's just some fantasy that we think that no one can control me. Everybody's controlled. You know, the laws of nature, eternal time, mm. you know, time is this controller of everybody. So, there you go. So. Well, Ruben, uh, maybe we better uh, end with a little sanctum. Chanting, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the story will stay in my head for a long time or stay in my heart, hopefully. Yeah, this is very nice. Thank you for sharing this. Yeah. 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 yeah when I first heard that story many years ago, it was so relatable to me, knowing my background. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm. like, wow. So. Yeah, I never hunted, but I did, you know, I almost, I mean, I was about to take the hunter's license when I was in the military service. I could get it almost free of charge because I was in the, yeah, like a hunt, hunt I mean, we call it hunter, actually, <laughs> hunter battalion. Uh, yeah, I got it, I guess. Yeah. 
trained as a sniper, you know, so it, it kind of wouldn't be so hard, the shooting part. Just the theory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, let's chant. And anyway. <laughs> okay, so we're going to do our regular mantra, Goranga Haribo. I keep it very simple so everybody can easily chant along with us.
Oh, that's Sankirtan, you know, we do it each week. Yeah. And every day, <laughs> every day ourselves and every week for podcast. Yeah, every week on the program and <laughs> every day ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's very easy to do. And, you know, we're talking about changing the heart, purifying the heart. This does it. That does that. So, you know, don't think, oh, I can't do all those things. You know, what can you do? Do what you can do. Mm. Everybody can sit down for five minutes a day and chant Goranga. <laughs> <laughs> If they want to, of course. Okay, everyone. So thank you so much for joining us. Ruben, thank you for hosting as always. Yeah, thank you, Malakia. Thanks for sharing this again. This yeah. <laughs> wonderful. We will be back next week. We'll be, for sure. <laughs> All okay. right, everybody. Be careful out there. It's a dangerous world. Hmm. <laughs> Namaste, Haribol. Haribol. Namaste. Thank you, Velikia. So we hope this gave you some inspiration, something to think about, ponder, and uh, move on from there. So um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you do like this and would like to get updates and information on the next podcast. And we now also have an email list, so check out breakingtrail.life to get email updates from us every week. Remember, stay true to yourself and dare to break trail.